Welcome back to Your Average Witch, where we talk about witch life, witch stories, and sometimes a little witchcraft, on the full and new moon every month. In this episode, I talk to Majori, the punk priestess. Majori tells us how astrology can help us understand the Depp versus Herd trial, how she uses social media in her craft, and how your environment can change your practice. Before we get into it, I want to remind you that I now have a voicemail. Call to leave a comment about a past guest, or suggest a question about a guest you'd like to hear from. You can even ask me a question personally. If I choose your voicemail, I'll play it on the show, so please speak clearly. It's Google Voice, and it's not the best recording in the world. The phone number is 520-230-3896. Now let's get to the stories. Hi, Majori. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Would you please introduce yourself and let everybody know what you do and who you are and where they can find you? Yes. So I'm Majori, and I'm the force behind The Punk Priestess. And I'm a tarot reader, an astrologer, a Reiki practitioner, and magical creator. You can find me on Instagram at The Punk Priestess. I also have a podcast um, called The Punk Priestess Podcast that's on Instagram, as well as Spotify and Apple Podcast. And I have my witchy shop, which is called The Punk Priestess. So you can just find that on Google. <laughs> What does it mean to you when you call yourself a witch? So it's interesting because I only started calling myself a witch a few years ago because people started calling me one since I read tarot and I'm an astrologer, but I never sought to be a witch or to even really identify with that label. I was just kind of living my life authentically and I'm a very creative person who likes esoteric things. So I guess calling myself a witch is just a way to kind of categorize everything that I do. But I feel like I'm more of um, a holistic practitioner in a way. <laughs> but the witchy label, it does fit with um, just with my other esoteric passions. So you were doing astrology and things like that. Bef- like, was Were you doing tarot before you took the took on the mantle of witch? <laughs> um, yeah, so I have been studying astrology since I was 12 years old. So that's been for 18 years. And I started getting into tarot when I was 21. So that was like nine years ago. And learning tarot became really easy for me with the astrology background because they're sisters to me. So it was just kind of a very organic transition. But I use both in my personal craft, um, and I just think it's like one of the coolest relationships. How did become? How did it become a business for you? So I immediately started reading for friends, started reading for clients, pretty much right when I got my deck. It just happened very quickly. So this was back in 2014, and. Um, over the time, I just kind of decided to make it a business. I think I came up with the Punk Priestess around 2018. And then it just grew and grew. And of course, of COVID, I was able to really hone in on my business and expand it and grow it. And it's still evolving to this day. But yeah, it just kind of just happened really quickly. And just slowly over time, just kind of making it into what it is today. Do you have any? 
daily rituals or daily practices that you'll share with us? Um, so I'm an Aries. So I'm a very, I have like a lot of changeability in my day. So I'm not really disciplined enough to have a consistent ritual practice, <laughs> unfortunately. But, and I kind of think that routine kills the magic of our everyday. So I like to have a lot of flexibility and more of my ritual work comes through in small moments, like bringing certain crystals with me on my daily journey. Um, and then reading the daily astrological transits every day is kind of a little ritual that I have. But most of my main ritual work is channeled very intuitively and in the moment during new and full moons each month, or if there's something that I am very focused on trying to work with in my life, I will set aside time during those moments to kind of um, enhance more magic into my life. Hmm. Nobody's ever gone into it like that before. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just like, it's, I feel like I need a lot of flexibility. So it's just, it's hard for me to just like every day do the same thing because I get bored very easily. So it's just kind of mixing it up a bit. <laughs> that makes sense. I have an Aries moon, so. Okay. I get that yeah. kind of wild child sort of need mm -hmm. something new. Yeah. Even though you only decided to call yourself a witch recently, do you feel like you have any family history with witchcraft or the metaphysical, any past stories that you can share if you remember any and think back and think, you know, that was something? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I actually recently learned that my great, great grandma lived her life by the farmer's anomic and um, coming from and the ancestry of slavery, the farmers anomic was crucial to their life. And even after slavery, still maintaining um, the land, the farmers anomic um, was just part of their livelihood. So I learned that my grandma, my great great grandma was really into that really into astrology, really into the moon phases. And then one of my great grandmas, she's really connected to angels, and she has a very strong psychic intuition. So I feel like I have tapped into that, kind of just finding out this information recently, because I kind of felt like I was the only one in my family, and still kind of do feel like I'm the, really the only one in my family who um, does this type of work. But slowly, a lot of my cousins are starting to kind of hone into some of their intuitive abilities. And I think kind of having me as an example to see what I'm doing with this type of ability has kind of made them feel more comfortable in expressing their gifts as well. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm starting to see the trickle down effect, which is really cool. I love, I wish I could have that. I wish I had that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I feel really blessed because my family is incredibly supportive and they are very interested in what I do. So that's been really great for me to not have to worry about what other people would think of me and my family. I've just always had that unconditional support. So I feel very blessed um, to have that. What would you say is your biggest motivator in your practice? Kind of like the only and probably the main reason why I do this work is for self-development purposes and to help people connect more authentically with themselves and their magic. So that's pretty much my biggest motivator. I don't really care about Instagram followers or trying to make tons of money. I mean, I do have a Capricorn moon and stellium. So of course, that's part of the game that of being successful in business. So I kind of have to play that, but um, it doesn't really drive me so much. But 
I really do just want to make genuine connections with others and be being able to share what I'm creating. If it's spell candles, if it's teaching astrology or tarot courses, just being able to bring that to help others on their journey is really what motivates me. What would you say is your biggest struggle in your practice? Um, I think the biggest struggle is it's honestly social media and kind of where it's going today. Um, I feel like it just takes so much of our time and it never used to be like that. It used to be like, okay, we just post a picture and then we go about our day. But now there's this whole marketing like scheme involved. And then especially engagement, (laughs) engagement, especially if you have a business, it's like, you have to be mindful of like, I can't just post once a week because I'm never going to get any traction. And then that's not going to lead to any profits. So it is kind of, I've seen over the years and over the involvement with Instagram, having it for like 12 years, how much has changed. And I feel sometimes more of like a marketing social media, (laughs) like, employee, I'm like kind of working pro bono, honestly, for these um, social platforms, I feel like I'd sometimes put more time and emphasis into that than I actually sometimes do of the my craft of the work that I'm doing. So that's just kind of something that unfortunately, we have to kind of do, I think, as modern day witches to keep ourselves relevant, keep ourselves engaged with others. but. I think having good boundaries um, is something that I'm working on and having a more streamlined system of how I want to curate posts, um, what I want to put on Instagram and then, or TikTok or what other social platforms and then kind of go about my day. So, so yeah, it's, it's it's a thing. It's a thing that I, I don't really like that much, but it's kind of like if you want to play the game, you have to, in a sense, play the game. I'm interested in the idea that you were working pro bono for Instagram, because when you introduced yourself, you gave out your Instagram handle before you put out your own website. Oh, well, that's just actually how I... I mean, I was just kind of reading what I wrote. I just had that first. <laughs> but, oh, um, well, I mean, but I do yeah. that too. Yeah. That's how I do it because mm-hmm. that's mainly where I focus my my energy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it it's just like there's a love-hate relationship with social media because it's fun. I, I do enjoy social media. I enjoy even looking at other people's posts and the memes and stuff. Like it is fun. It's part of our daily lives at this point. But we do kind of have to monitor and really think about how much time we're spending on these platforms. And the more time we spend on this, on these platforms, it's actually like free labor. So it's just kind of thinking, wow, I just gave Instagram four hours of my time (laughs) instead of putting that. And it was for free because they're not paying unless you do get, you know, a client or you make some type of money through your business. Like then that time is useful. But most of the time, it's we have to kind of think about, wow, that was just four hours of my day. And where did that go? What was that purpose? That's not even going into the whole scammer issue where they're actually helping people steal money from you and from your followers and listeners and customers. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's been a big issue. Um, I've had some of my followers get scammed and you try to give them as much leadway and heads up as you can, but still um, they're not always looking at your stories. They're not always looking on your actual page for a post about scam accounts. So unfortunately there are going to be some victims to that. But I think now since it's been going on for like a year, people are more aware of the scammers and the type of messages they'll receive via DM. So I'm hoping that kind of dies out. They have been getting more creative, the scammers, but I still kind of feel like you can tell just through like energy alone, if an account is the real authentic person or if it's someone fake. I feel like we covered the, how, how social media affects your, well, does, do you feel like social media affects your practice? I think it does. Yeah. Because, you know, witchcraft has been so private for so long. And within the past kind of three years, if we want to talk about the, the surgence of it during the height of the pandemic, we now saw this more visual representation of witchcraft. And it's, you know, with uh, TikToks, with reels, with um, more informative slide posts on social media. So I think that has definitely... Um, changed my practice too because a lot of the work I was doing was private and then now it's like oh I am showing this more publicly or I'm like posting something on my stories about what I do or taking more pictures when before for years that was just kind of to myself and with my clients now I'm kind of curious about this I think I know the answer just based on how it works but I, I found that I would show people how I crafted a spell, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't do the spell on video for myself. And I just say, I use this and this is why and figure out what you need to do for it. Mm-hmm. But I'm not actually doing it publicly. Do you do anything like that? Um, no, I'll show the after effects. Like I'll do my own spells and then I'll just like make a video or reel or take pictures of it. But yeah, I'm not doing like a step by step. Um, and, uh, I guess the only way I would kind of do more explanation of what I do is through IG lives. Um, if I'm like breaking down like a celebrity's astrology, they, they can like see me in person, like you know, kind of breaking that down. But um, yeah, I try not to give too much away, especially a huge issue of mine that I've had the past couple years have been a lot of people plagiarizing my work. And um, I try to just keep things very, very private, but I will show because I'm all about the aesthetics. So I do like to show aesthetically pleasing candle magic that I'm doing, or I like to take pictures of some of the spreads that I do. But I just kind of learned to not give everything away because then people will just take that for free, not pay me for my magic for my time. And also they'll try to claim what I'm doing for their own. Now, speaking of celebrity things and lives, you've been doing stories about the Amber Heard and is that how you say her name? Mm-hmm. Yep. Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. You've been doing lives about that. Mm-hmm. 
what do people think about it? I just feel like everybody's fascinated. I'm avoiding it because I got issues, but I, I know everybody's wound. Yeah, so it's been received really well. Uh, I'm actually doing my fourth one this week, this coming um, this coming week, because Kate Moss is going to be um, yeah. on trial. You're the tomorrow. reason I know that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> and I'm a huge Kate Moss fan. She's my favorite model. I've had pictures of her on my wall growing up, so it's like I'm really, really excited. And they were talking about that for a couple of weeks, and then they finally confirmed it yesterday that she was going to. Um, beyond the stand. So I'm excited about that. But yeah, it's just really interesting with uh, Johnny Depp's astrology and Amber Heard's, not only their synastry alone, but just their own separate charts and how this trial is just so on point with what's going on in their astrology. And just kind of really shows that astrology really is the blueprint of your life. And what you're going through in your everyday life is a reflection of your personal astrology. So it's just been wild. And I also covered Elon Musk. I covered James Franco. So like some characters coming into the scene of the trial, just kind of breaking down some of their chart as well to kind of see how they relate and fit within this story. Um, but it's been received really well. And I've also, I thought it was shadow banned on Instagram for like two weeks because <laughs> I just lost like a bunch of followers like two weeks after I did... Um, like the my second live on them. But there's just like a lot of anti Johnny Depp supporters out there just trying to silence the truth, trying to silence people's freedom of speech. So I personally has have held back really sharing a lot about the trial just so I can not have my account deleted <laughs> or shadow yeah. banned. But um it is uh it's interesting how when the truth wants to come out, they there will be people who will try to silence you. And I'm just doing the astrology. I'm not, I mean, I do have my own personal opinion, but um, I'm just looking at the astrology in, in an objective way um, because their astrology led them to this place. And um, it's also in correlation to the current transits that we're all um, universally experiencing as well. So it's just really cool to kind of see how the puzzle pieces fit together for this trial. That's so far beyond me. I was like a quarter of the what towards the last quarter of what you were saying. I just understood very little. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you said transits, and my brain just said, "Okay, we're in the part you don't understand." <laughs> <laughs> How do you do? You feel like you use social media to affect others? I do. Um... And I think that's the reason why I care about social media, because I've just seen how I've been able to help people in their journey, finding their magic, or just even becoming interested in tarot and astrology, crystals, vintage, because I'm a huge vintage nerd. But um, I just, I feel like I do it for an expression of myself because these are the things I like and I find interesting and I want to share that with others. But I also, I really enjoy when someone messages me and tells me, Oh my God, the playlist you created for Sagittarius season changed my life. Or even like meeting some of my like true friendships, some of my strongest friendships I've actually met through Instagram and we never met in real life, some of them, but we like talk every day. And 
I actually consider some of my friends through this community virtually um, deeper bonds and connections than I have with some of my real life friends. So um, I think without social media, I would have never been opened up to this community. And I felt alone for so long until literally five years ago, I started like connecting more of other witches. And I'm like, wow, other people are interested in what I do too. It's not just me. So I owe social media that because without, I feel the support of the community and also seeing people interested in doing the same thing that I am doing. Um, I wouldn't probably be so heavily deep into this work and I probably wouldn't even, um, put a lot of emphasis on social media. That's such a good answer. (laughs) (laughs) Man, it's meaty. (laughs) I know I covered a lot there. (laughs) Do you feel like you owe anything to your listeners or viewers or followers? I feel like at this point now with my business, I do in a way need to uphold a level of relevancy because I do have clients who are consistent that I'm like reading every month or, you know, I've, I've kind of formed my own community with the punk priestess. So I do owe it to them to have content. And, um, I don't feel like it's a pressure, but for myself too, that I have put so much time, emphasis years into my business, into my craft. I owe it to myself. I think that's the number one thing. It's like my own level of consistency, my own level of not only exploring my magic, but bringing it to the world and having that kind of be a driving purpose for my life. That's kind of like the number one reason why I do what I do and continue to do what I do is for my own self-motivation. But Um, I do feel that, yeah, now I kind of have a little bit of a responsibility being like a community leader in some way. Is there anything you wish was discussed more in the, well, first of all, do you, do you, how do you feel about the term, witch community? Do you feel like there is one? Yes, definitely. I definitely feel like there's a witch community and I mean, it's an umbrella because there's some witches who are, you know, focused on different, different things, like more spell driven, some are more like tarot driven or like pagan driven. So it's, it's definitely a spectrum. It's definitely an umbrella, but there is a community for sure. And I feel like it's very, um, it just, they all blend into each other. Cause most likely if you're interested in tarot, you're going to be probably interested in astrology or you're going to be interested in crystals. So I kind of like to see how they, everything meshes together within the community. So, um, So yeah, I definitely think there's a very strong community, but we kind of all just have our own little interests that we kind of partake more interest in. But as a whole, I think we can understand or at least respect the different uh, mediums of witchcraft. Is there anything that you wish was discussed more in the community? I do. I feel like since I am a woman of color, I think that we need to talk more about giving witches of color more attention, um, bigger platforms, because it's been changing. I've been seeing more um, like mainstream brands or more uh, witches of color getting opportunities, which is great. But I still feel that within this community, and of course, this is just universal. It's not just within the witch community. This is just throughout this you know, country and um, other countries as well. But it's just... Uh, 
a lot of, um, I think white, which is just getting that the same like opportunities and getting their voice or experience, um, having that be more, um, of an attention driving factor when I think there's so many, um, overlooked, um, black witches that are kind of offering a new perspective of things. And, um, yeah, I'm hoping, and I mean, I'm seeing it slowly, but I'm just hoping throughout the next couple of years, more witches of color will have more opportunities and people will kind of, um, see that more as something that is important because even throughout all of like Hollywood's movies and like the history of witchcraft, it's always just white women, especially even in paintings, like witchy paintings throughout history, it's all white women. There's, but there's so many other countries and cultures and women of color throughout the world who have been doing this work too, but it's just not having the attention, but it's, it's slowly kind of getting there with social media, but we still have like a long way to go. Eve, I can name one witch of color from Hollywood, but I can name a billion white ones mm-hmm. just from Hollywood alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think like the most popular one is like Rachel True. Yeah, the, that's the one I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, from the original craft, but... I was watching some interviews um, with her back from the nineties and she was talking about that. There's like an MTV interview and she was talking about how she's like, yeah, I'm actually happy to be um, in this movie because I get to show like other women or just like people in general that yes, like black witches exist (laughs) and like having some type of representation. So um, yeah. So I thought that was like really cool that we finally, I mean, it took like, that movie came out in like 1995 it took like the 90s to like finally have that type of representation on a mainstream level but you know at least it's something but we still have a long way to go um and the new craft that just came out a couple years ago um is definitely more diverse so Mm -hmm. that was cool to see so but because it's a new craft everybody wanted to hate about it (laughs) yeah i mean i have my own opinions for sure about the storyline but um there were aspects of it. I'm like, okay, like, you know, I, I appreciate this or I kind of see where they're trying to go and make it a little bit more like Gen Z um, friendly, I guess. So. I feel like people my age and I'm pre-internet. I feel like people my age, maybe it's just the way people are in general. I don't know. But if it's something new, like a remake, they just, it's never as good as the original, mm-hmm. which give me a break. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hit or miss sometimes. Um, but yeah. <laughs> so can you tell me what you dislike and like the most about the witch community in general? Mm-hmm. Um, so what I like the most is just that, there is this acceptedness of you know, you kind of can be who you want to be. Like there's no rules or guidelines. Um, and I think that's very freeing, especially as an Aries. I'm like, don't give me rules. I, I will rebel <laughs> against the rules. I need to kind of just do my own thing and just see how it goes. But um, I do like how, you know, you can make an Instagram account. You can just kind of start doing your own magic the way you want to do it. And 
you'll find people who are really in support of you or there you'll find people who just don't really connect with your craft, but at least you kind of have the freedom to express yourself. And there is a community there that will support you. Um, and you're not alone in this work. Um, I feel like what I dislike a lot is that there isn't really a way to fully monitor if someone is replicating your work or trying to, um, kind of copy your style sometimes. Like it's, it's hard with social media because it's just so broad to really, unless it's like a really direct plagiarism copy to something. Um, but it's, it's hard with spiritual work. It's hard with spell work and intuitive, uh, esoteric work sometimes to be like, Oh, that was my original idea. Even though it could have been, you know, maybe a spell or maybe like something you created, but yeah, I just, in my experience in the past couple of years, um, with the surgeons of the switchy community, I've had a lot of people, um, copy my ideas, do my work, or even just want to get readings of me just to kind of see my style and then try to replicate that as their own, even though you, it's impossible to, <laughs> because that's my own style of reading. But, um, yeah, and I, it's kind of been hard because even some friendships or people I thought were my friends who thought were genuine in this community, it was kind of like just for them to have more opportunities for themselves or just use like certain people for clout. I've had like someone who I thought was a friend of mine for like, and it was kind of interesting as this person like right away was like, Oh, I want to be your friend. Or like, it was just kind of seemed like, wow, this person's like really engaged and really likes my content. And then over time I would kind of see, Oh, my website has this type of service. Now yours suddenly mirrors what I'm trying to do. And then unfortunately, like you have to block and delete these type of people who are just trying to use a fake friendship just to kind of copy your work. Steal from you. Mm-hmm. So that's, I, that's so yeah. bizarre to me. Mm-hmm. I cannot. I am so do what you want to do that I I got out of the army because I don't like. I want to do my own thing. So it, it's so insane to me that people would bother to do all of that. Mm-hmm. It's so yeah. weird to me. I cannot fathom it. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, people do this throughout life too. They'll try to scam and scheme. It doesn't have to be this witchy industry. It's just in general, we see it happening. People try to take advantage. And, you know, of course, those type of characters are going to find their way in these spaces and pretend that what they're offering is genuine and that, you know, they're like a witch too, but really they're just trying to be on the up of a trend. And then I've been also seeing like so many accounts who were trying to ride this witch wave during the height of the pandemic in 2020. And like, you know, 2021, um, they started kind of filtering out those witches or those people who were just in it for the ride. And then now I really do see like so many accounts just not being active or just kind of uh, disengaged from the community in general because they were just trying to ride the trend. Now they're on to the next trend. So yeah, it's either a lifestyle or it's a trend. (laughs) So (laughs) yeah. I'm going to shift gears a little bit. Do you feel like you ever have imposter syndrome? And how do you cope with that if you do? Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think the comparison of what others are doing can be a, can of course lead to a lot of self doubt sometimes. Um, I think that's natural. And of course, sometimes I have imposter syndrome, but I mostly just try to stay in my own lane. And for me, when I see like other accounts, like, oh, they have all these followers or, oh, they're doing this and that. When you really kind of look closely to some of these accounts and what the the majority of people sometimes in this witchy space are doing, they're really just a carbon copy of each other. And their motivations aren't really authentic. And their work, like the intuitive work is just not there. So we'll see like a lot of these huge accounts have like all these followers, but they're just posting memes. They're not really, (laughs) you know, they're not really doing intuitive driven work or really working with people's energy. And I feel like if your motivation is just to get a bunch of followers on social media, you know, how is that actual authentic engagement if you are offering services with your clients? Is it really connected with helping someone's spiritual growth or is it just to make money or just to get more clout? Um, so that kind of helped with my self-doubt because I just realized I'm running my own race. And my, the work that I'm doing is completely opposite of what some of these other accounts are doing. And um, I honestly, I don't follow a lot of witchy accounts anymore. I try to keep that community kind of small for a reason, not only just to protect my own work and um, not have people plagiarize off of me, but just so I can continue within my own frame of mind and not um, unconsciously get get influenced. Yeah, get tainted or unconsciously get influenced. Um, and I have so many other interests. Like I, I'm a fashion designer. I'm interested in you know fashion. I follow a lot of music accounts, vintage, crystals. So I have so many other things outside of the witchy community that I'm interested in and that I also participate in in my day-to-day life. So I sometimes am more inclined to follow those accounts um, than I am to really acclimate myself too immersely in this witchy space. So that has really helped with the self-doubt imposter syndrome. I really relate to the not following people because you might be influenced because I'm a jeweler. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, at first I was following all these jewelers and all these metalsmiths and everything. And then I would realize, you know, this looks a lot like what I saw three weeks ago. So I, I, I actually unfollowed a ton, mm-hmm. not because I don't love their work, but because I want to do my work. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. What would you say brings you the most joy in your practice? So the most joy would definitely be connecting with my clients. And it's just interesting because when I read tarot, there's like another source that kind of comes into me. Like, And it's just like I'm kind of channeling at this point. And it's just, I can feel on a vibrational level, like, wow, like I'm connecting with this person in a way that is unexplainable for me. And that's when I kind of resonate, like, this is the work that I'm meant to do in this life. And then I feel like I really help people in a genuine, authentic way. And um, then like weeks later or days later, they'll tell me, oh my God, your reading changed my life. Or you know, because of you, I'm now able to see this more clearly, or this is all the change that has happened in my life. So just kind of having um, that response that I'm actually helping people 
um, for the betterment of their life, which is why I got into this work in the beginning was for self-development purposes. And then that naturally led me to kind of be a healer and to help others. Um, that's kind of why I, I continue to do this work and what is the most beneficial for me. Would you say witchcraft has changed your life? And if so, how? Um, yes, witchcraft has completely changed my life. Um, and I would not be the same person I am today, even without astrology. I've been doing astrology for so long. I'm like, I don't even know what my life is without it at this point. Um, but witchy, my witchcraft and everything has just completely inspired me to even move out of New York City to take my business more full time. Um, so that has been a huge shift recently that happened in my life. Um, it's inspired me to just access more of my creative gifts and just do things, have opportunities that I never thought were in reach and wouldn't be if I didn't have um, this craft, if I didn't have this community. And I honestly, I feel like people who don't have um, a connection to the divine connection to esotericism. I feel like their life is just kind of empty, honestly. And cause it's just filled my life with so much joy and so much um, abundance that I'm like, wow, if I didn't have that, like how my life would feel so empty. My life would not be as rich as it is now. And I can like die happily saying that I've lived a rich life, not because of material richness of money, but just with being able to access different parts of my intuition, different parts of my creativity, and to be able to connect so authentically and deeply with people within this community or just like in general based off of some of the things that I were able to create or teach. Hmm. Who or what would you say are the three biggest influences on your practice? Hmm. Influences. Um, so I think one of my main influences um, would be uh, Jessica Crispin and Jen May. Um, Jessica Crispin's a writer, Jen May, she's an artist, and they created my favorite tarot deck called Spoilia Tarot. And this tarot deck is currently out of print. It's been out of print for a couple years, but I have a couple copies. I actually have one like in a safe right now under lock and key. <laughs> so, um, but their deck literally changed my life. And I remember I saw there's like this witch shop in Brooklyn. I saw them post a picture of the Aries card and immediately identified it as I'm like, Oh my God, like I'm an Aries. There's like tarot deck that has astrology cards. This is like my two loves in one. So I immediately called the shop and I was like, I need to get this deck. So I like went after work, got the deck immediately. And it just connected with me like no other tool has. And without that deck, I would not, my business would not be where it is today. I probably wouldn't be as passionate or immersed in to tarot as I am today. And this deck has honestly made me so much money <laughs> through like client work and just looked aesthetically pleasing in photos. And I actually have um, like a now a relationship with the artist and Ooh. with um, the author. So it's just like they become 
uh, supporters of my work, and it has been through the magic of their deck. And that deck literally has changed my life. And still to this day, I have not connected with another deck as deeply as theirs. Um, so that has definitely been an influence for me. Um, I think also just really trying to um, teach people more about um, witchcraft and about tarot and it's about like these different esoteric attributes um, and how to incorporate them in your everyday life. That um, has been a huge influence on my practice. Um, and then also Reiki. Reiki is um, something that I just started getting into last year. I became a practitioner last year and I'm slowly starting to see how that has evolved more in my own personal practice and in my life. And that's kind of, I feel intuitively that's the future of my life, my business of my craft. And I've been slowly acclimating my life um, to incorporate more Reiki and more energy work. Um, and yeah, that's influence. And I guess too, honestly, social media has been a big influence on my practice because not only has it pushed me to be more creative um, and to put myself out there more in an extroverted way, but it's connected me with other people, other witches, other people like me who have helped influence me, just like the deck example. Like I would have never been able to connect with my favorite deck if it wasn't for social media, putting a picture of that card on their Instagram page. So yeah. <laughs> I love that you said social media was one of the influences because I don't, think anybody said that before, but it is such a huge influence in my own life. It wouldn't have occurred to me to say, but it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who would you like to see answer questions like this? Who who would you like to see on the show next if I was searching for people to be on the show, which I am? <laughs> yeah. So um one of my friends, Morgan, um, her Instagram handle is Lucid Kitch. And she is one of the coolest witches. Um, and I authentically love everything that she does. We have a lot in common too, but she's a musician. Um, she created her own tarot deck, her own Oracle deck. She sells vintage. Um, she's into just so many awesome things. And she also has, um, different uh like writing like a, a zine she has like different um like witchy community-based um projects that she does and opens up um for other witches to create their own um to share their own magic and create their own work so yeah uh, morgan is like probably one of the most interesting witches um i'm lucky enough to be friends with and she's really cool too Okay, lucid kitsch as in kitschy, not like in kitchen. <laughs> yeah, kitsch. So okay. L yeah, L U C I D K I T C H. Now you mentioned that you recently moved uh out of the city. Mm-hmm. How I feel like if I lived in New York City, my practice would be completely different from what it is. How do you feel like environment has played any part in your practice or how how has it shaped it? Yes, 100%. I feel that when I was in New York City, I was in New York City for almost a decade, I couldn't really fully tap into my magic. And 
it's because there's so many external distractions. Like you can try to set a time aside time to do your craft, but you have a demanding job that you just don't work from, you know, nine to five. You're working from like nine to seven, nine to eight some nights. You know, it's like a city that feeds off of capitalism, feeds off of you working really hard. So I noticed for myself, I couldn't fully tap into my magic because I had just so much external pressure. Um, and also it's just financially expensive. So you can't really, um, I feel like, you know, you have your rent you have to pay for. You can't really sometimes use all that money that you would like towards your craft. You have to be a little bit more mindful and frugal about, you know, what you're buying, um, what you're kind of dedicating your resources towards. And I feel like it's really hard for healers to really tap into their authentic magic, magic living in a big city because there's just so many personalities, there's so many people, and it can be kind of draining on your energy. But I have noticed since moving back to the Midwest, things have kind of been able to slow down. There's not so much pressure to perform, to work crazy hours, to um, afford like a crazy expensive lifestyle. So you can kind of get that energy back and put it into the work that you're doing. So like during COVID, I was able to publish um, an ebook. I had the time to do that because I wasn't um, in the city for the entirety of that year. And then now being back in the Midwest, I've been able to kind of have my content on social media be the best it's ever been. And I've been able to grow my business in ways and spend more time on it than I've ever been able to um, if I was like living back in New York City. So I, I moved for that intention. It wasn't, it was for multiple reasons, but it was mostly because I wanted to grow my business and I knew I wouldn't be able to do it in that crazy, hectic environment. Um, but I feel that in the next decade, I'm going to be living probably either in like a counterculture community or I'm going to be like very remote, like in the woods and the mountains somewhere. So like healers, they really do self-isolate. And that's kind of when you know you are in presence of someone who's very enlightened. It's because they don't need the noise of external distraction because they find that peace within themselves. And that's why the majority of spiritual leaders and healers um, throughout history have lived in isolation or have lived in like more stress-free environments. And I think it was uh, a good move for me to, to make that choice, even though I love living in the city, but I just feel more aligned um, and connected with myself more so than I've ever been because I don't have to deal with a lot of things that just don't even have anything to do with my craft or my life, my uh, witchy life. I cannot imagine living in New York city or even near New York city. I I visited I went there for some awards thing once and it was one of the most stressful times of my life. <laughs> I was only there for like maybe 48 hours. <laughs> mhm. Gosh. Yeah. I mean it's fun. Like I lived there like in my entirety of my 20s and I feel like that was great, you know, when you're like really young and you know you want to experience and explore and be curious and go on adventures. That's really, really fun. But the downside of that is 
um, you work really, really hard to the point where it's just, you know, years go by. Like I look at the past decade of my life working in the fashion industry and I'm like, what did I really accomplish? I was just trying to work on these crazy projects or I was just kind of like working on building someone else's dream and someone else's wealth. When I can put that same time and energy and focus into my own dreams and building yes. my own wealth. So that was like the realization I had last year. I'm like, you know, what's, why am I doing this? And when I do like look back at the past 10 years of my life, so I just turned 30 this year. I, I, when I look back at those past 10 years, I'm like, wow, like it's all kind of a blur. Like I know I had fun as well living <laughs> in New York, but I also know like I went through a lot of crazy situations and it's helped me grow and helped me kind of expand my, um, my level of like dealing with certain people with certain personalities. Like I would ever have gotten that experience if I stayed in the Midwest and just been around the same type of people my entire life. But um, I'm thankful for the experience, but also like I'm happy that part of my life is over and I'm ready to build for the new, the next 10 years and next decade. I'm excited for like, what's 40 going to look like and kind of take the experience and opportunities that I was able to have in the past decade and like bring them into the forefront to create more success for the next decade to come. Nice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Was there anything else that you wanted to talk about before we go? Um, yeah. So I'll kind of just talk about some things that are going on for my business. Um, some things I have on the horizon. So um, first I'm open for tarot and astrology readings and I'm booking for the summer. So definitely, if you want a reading, you can head over to my website, thepunkpriestess.com, and you can find your reading there. Um, and then next month, I am doing a crystal class workshop. So that's going to be um, towards the end of June, and it's going to be a couple hours on a Sunday, we're just going to talk about crystals and how to work with them. And um, certain crystals you should have in your collection and use throughout your day. So I'm going to be um, starting tomorrow or pretty soon I'm going to be um, having that available on my website for purchase to sign up for the class. And then um, I have a spell candle collection coming soon that um, I'm excited about that will be for the Capricorn full moon. That's going to be coming up in July. So look out for that. And if you want to follow me, on YouTube, I have Terascopes for the Zodiac signs, as well as my podcast. I can I have it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to listen to as well. Um, and that's it. <laughs> nice. Now I have two surprises at the end. Mm -hmm. The first one, and they're not even really questions; they're more requests. The first one is, would you please recommend something to the listeners? And it can be anything at all. It doesn't have to be witch-related. It doesn't have to be esoteric. It can be a song you like or a new TV show or some snack you just found. Recommend mm -hmm. something. Yeah. Um, I love music. So some of the greatest albums right now that I'm listening to, there's like a new Warpaint album. Um, Porridge Radio has a new album out. And... I think just listening to PJ Harvey, like just listen to like all of her albums. It's just something It's just tapping into just someone who is just so brilliant and just so creative and beyond 
this world. And I feel like I listen to PJ Harvey. I've been listening to her heavily right now. Um, but she has just inspired my entire life. And I think like doing yourself, giving yourself the gift of listening to PJ Harvey will just completely transform your soul. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I will admit that I don't know if I've heard anything by PJ Harvey, which is stupid because people have been recommending or saying, hey, I love this. I don't even know if it's a person or a band. Oh, ba- I'm it's embarrassed. A person. <laughs> it's, a person. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Since like the 2000s. Since yeah. live journal time, people have been talking about it, and I still don't know if I've heard it or not. Yeah. I'm a sad person. The second thing is, would you please tell me a story that you love to tell? It doesn't have to be witchcraft related, just when you get together with people, family or friends that you really like and are comfortable with, and you this story just comes up and everybody likes to hear it. Yeah. So I guess one story, this happened uh, when I was in fourth grade. So I think I was like 10 years old. I was probably like 10 or 11 years old and it was my cousin's wedding. And um, before, so this was, we got, it was in Illinois. So we got there like a day early uh, before the wedding and the reception. So um, my family and I, and like some of my other cousins, we decided to get our ears pierced because none of us had our ears pierced. So we went to this local ball. We went to Claire's and um, we ended up getting our ears pierced. And then after we got our ears pierced, there was this like inside mall, like little zoo. So there was like all these reptiles what? and like animals. Yeah. It was just kind of like one of, I mean, maybe they don't do them. Malls are so weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this was like in the early OOs, but like, yeah. I don't think with like PETA now they could probably do this, but there was like a bunch of people, like probably from like a local zoo or something that had all these reptiles. And um, they were like in the middle of the mall and you can, you know, look at them and stuff like that. So they um, were like asking if anyone wanted to hold a baby alligator. So I was like, oh, okay, this is kind of interesting. But um, I wasn't think I didn't think they were going to pick me. I was like, oh, I, you know, I'm only like 10, 11 years old. They're not going to pick me. But they ended up picking me to hold this baby alligator. So I was holding this little baby alligator. It wasn't actually little. It was pretty big. And I was able to hold it, but it was still pretty heavy. It probably weighed at least like 40-something pounds. Oh, my gosh. And, um, and at the time, I was like probably like 80-something. So it was probably like half my weight. And um, they were like, yeah, you know, he gets really excited. So, you know, um, be careful. He might like pee. So right oh, after they no. said that, the alligator peed all the way down my leg. <laughs> oh. And thankfully, I had shorts on. It was the summer. So... But if I didn't have shorts, that would have been horrible. But I'm holding this alligator. It's peeing down my leg. And then, like, three of the workers are, like, have, like, like wipes and are wiping my legs down and stuff. And then they're like, oh, do you want to have a picture with the alligator? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, uh, you know, at this point, we're acclimated. Like, we might as well. So um, there's this picture of like me with the alligator on my lap and then like my cousins and like my brother and sister behind me. And then we have like this huge boa constrictor snake wrapped around us. And then the alligator is on my lap. And 
Yeah, <laughs> I will never forget that moment. Like, who can say they've been peed on by an alligator? <laughs> Not many people. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> We're into reptiles. And as a kid, I would have done that. But now that I know more, there's no way I'm holding a 40 pound alligator. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it was friendly. I don't know if they like sedated it or anything, but it was not like wild at all. Um, But I've always liked reptiles a lot. So maybe I'll get a snake one day. I don't know. I wouldn't put that past me, but. (laughs) Well, thanks for being on the show and talking to me. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun. I'm good. And I will see you probably over on Instagram. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Bye. Bye. It's love letter time. This one says, thank the gods. I have been longing for some kind of real world connection and Kim has aligned the stars to create just that. Wow. (laughs) That's, that's giving me a lot of credit. (laughs) I don't know if I'm aligning anything. In this podcast, you get to know backstories, experiences, and journeys, so unique compared to the high-level, often well-known witch interviews out there. This makes me bashful. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm really glad you like it. Thank you for listening. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Your Average Witch. You can find us all around the internet on Instagram at Your Average Witch Podcast, Twitter at Average Witch Pod, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Your Average Witch Podcast, at youraveragewitch.com, and at your favorite podcast service. Want to help the podcast grow? Leave a review. You can review us on Amazon and Apple Podcasts, and now you can rate us on Spotify. You just might hear your review read at the end of the next episode. To rate Your Average Witch on Spotify, click the home key, click on Your Average Witch Podcast, and then leave a rating. You can also support the show by going to patreon.com slash cleverkimscurios. If you'd like to recommend someone for the podcast, like to be on it yourself, or if you'd like to advertise on the podcast, send an email to youraveragewitchpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the moon changes.